Thank you, worship team, for those songs and reminding us of uh, the sacrifice uh, that God calls us to be, a living sacrifice, even that we would be willing to offer up our lives, whatever the Lord calls, and how encouraging it was to have uh, uh, Sister May May come and share with us, and even of her ministry, and what an encouragement to see uh, God uh, uh, using her and uh, sacrifice her life and leaving family and uh, what she home here to go and serve the Lord in, in Macau and seeing uh, the many, again, to hear a little bit of the fruits, um, but uh, there will be fruits that continue by the grace of God for many, many years uh, through that ministry. Uh, hopefully, <coughs> many of you were encouraged by that. If you uh, will, please, as we continue worship, please take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. And this is actually part two of our three-part series of this passage, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 17. So <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 17, I'll read the whole uh, passage, but then we'll focus on 12 through 15 this morning. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth these words, <clears throat> According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I lay the foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Nor if any man built on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage. It reminds us of how your church is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we today are building upon Christ. Thank you, Father, for the great privilege that you call us to in this church, in this place. Lord, we know that it is a serious and, uh, and, seri and sober-minded calling. It is not something that we are to do carelessly, but your word calls us to do it carefully. So Lord, as we look to this word this, this morning, may you cause us to examine our lives, each of us, examining what we are doing, what works that we do in this body that are adding to the building up of this church upon the foundation of Christ. Lord, we thank you that you give us this privilege and may you cause us to, uh, to do, uh, <clears throat> to live our lives and to uh, conform our ministry according to your word so that we would be careful to build, that you would build it and that what we build would remain, that you would be glorified, that your church would continue to be built even long Gone, even long past when we are when we are we are gone, <clears throat> Father, we pray your Spirit would fill us now, 
Be our teacher, we pray. Help us to continue to humbly learn from you so that we would humbly teach and build up others so that they would know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Father, we commit this time to you and pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> you have probably all heard of the very familiar or old illustration of the three bricklayers uh, who we were building and uh, laying, built and laying, laying bricks and building up a wall that was part of this new church. And when each one was asked what he was doing, one replied that, can't you see I'm laying bricks? The second one answered, well, can't you see I, I'm building a wall? But the third gestured and said, can you not see? I'm building a church. The illustration reminds us of how we all can be doing the very same work, the very same task, but with a completely different focus. Many of us all come here week to week, and we serve the Lord in this body of Christ, and for which I, as a, as a shepherd and one of the, among one of the elders, I'm very thankful for all of you who serve in this body. I'm grateful for your part in this midst. But when you think about what you're doing, I ask you, are you fulfilling some task? Or are you serving in a ministry? Or do you think about how you are building the church of Jesus Christ? I think for most of us, uh, and myself included, tend to be focused on our task, our task at hand. And it's quite easy to forget the big picture, that we're not just doing a small task within the body of Christ, that which we are, but that it is a part of a bigger picture. Few of us in life even, it's not just in church, but it's in life, are focused on the big picture of life. But <clears throat> whereas in life it may not matter as much. When it comes to the church, when we fail to be focused on the big picture, and when we focus only on our task at hand, we do so at our own peril. For failure to recognize the big picture of what we're doing can result in a confused, aimless church at best, but a divided, contentious church at worst. And that's what was happening at the church in Corinth. They were a divided, contentious church because they were focused on the little things. They were focused on what was right before them. They were focused on their favorite teachers rather than realizing that the, all their teachers were really pointing to the big picture of Christ. They were focused on the supernatural gifts, the speaking of tongues, prophesy, prophesying, the supernatural gifts of healing and all such things, rather than realizing that all gifts, even the not-so-miraculous, the common, the, the, <clears throat> the, the serving gifts, were all distributed by the same Spirit of God, all for the greater purpose of edifying the church. The Corinthians forgot that they were building a church. The Corinthians were focused on only their tasks, only their teachers. And so Paul here in chapter 3 reminds them of the big picture. The big picture of using this analogy of a church as a building. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 through 17, remind us of our responsibility to carefully build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. 
It reminds us of the big picture of what we are striving to accomplish through our service to the Lord. And I've wanted to preach through this passage for this purpose because as we come to this new building and this beginning uh, and we uh, do continue the work, of, the work of ministry here on this corner of San Francisco, uh, we're, it, can be, it would be dangerous for us to continue to be focused on our ministry and only our task at hand to the, forget, to, to the forgetting of our bigger picture. That even as we... I may uh, be adjusting here, and many of you are adjusting, I know. Uh, we're adjusting in our rooms. I know uh, some of the rooms where you may say, wow, it's cold. Some of you say, wow, it's hot. Uh, some are saying, well, we need more of this. We need more of that. And, uh, and I hope that our, our, I know and believe that our facilities team are striving to address all these different needs. And they, that's their responsibility. They will. But as we uh, have different desires, different needs, and we express them, which we ought to, we want you to, let's keep in mind that when we do so, we do so, I recognize that there are a lot of other ministries here uh, and that the team will have to prioritize which ones to address first. Um, and that, uh, that, but as we keep in mind that, uh, that we are building a church so that even when we have, uh, uh, maybe uh, we may feel that things are not happening as fast as we'd like, they're a little bit slow, then remember that, uh, that we are all, what we're here is we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to build a church. And let's be patient with one another. Let's keep the big picture in mind. Because that's why we want to preach this passage. In verses 10 to 11 that we looked at last week, we looked at the simple exhortation to be careful in how we build upon the church's one foundation. There was a command there, the only command in these first 17 verses, to be careful how you build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what we looked at last week. This week we looked at verses 12 through 15. And we learn a powerful motivation so we see the motivation to be careful how we build upon the foundation of Christ. And as we look at this passage, we're going to look at three things to keep in mind as we build upon the foundation of Jesus. So let's take a look at our passage this morning then. Three things to keep in mind as we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> number one, we, Paul kind of gives us through this analogy of the church as a building, uh, and this, in fact, this is a building, we're, we're in a constant building project as a church, God is building us, Christ is building us, but he uses us to build this church. Three things to keep in mind, and number one, we keep in mind the materials. The materials, and when you're going to build something, you always need some materials. Verse 12 reads, now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, and we'll stop right there. Now, remember the command in verse 10 that exhorted believers to be careful how they build on the foundation of Christ. Remember there that it said that each man is to be careful. See, we learned even then that the task of building upon the foundation of Christ is a task for each one, for each believer in Christ. It's not just the church as a whole, though the church as a whole does build, but it's each and every member of the body of Christ. Each and every one of you as a member, as a regular attender of this church is called upon by Jesus to do your part, no matter how great or small, to build upon the foundation of Christ. Verse 12 here confirms this for us. Notice that it begins with a conditional statement that if any man, again, each person, any person we could even say. The Greek syntax here pres <clears throat> presumes this if is, <clears throat> though in English it says, well, you could or you could not, and there is sense of that. But the Greek syntax presumes the reality of the act of building. If any man builds in that, the, it's 
the expectation is that every man would be building. Every member of the body would be building upon the foundation. You see, as members of, of Christ and as members of his church, you are building upon the foundation of Jesus in some way or other. You cannot not be building upon the foundation of Christ because you are a part of Christ. When you believed in Jesus Christ, you were in Christ, and Christ is in you. And whether you realize it or not, you became part of the church and as a member of the church. And thank God, you had, God led you to be a part of a local church, which is every local church is a microcosm of the universal church. And so as a part of the church of Jesus Christ, you are in some way, because you're connected with Jesus, you're connected to everybody else. The fact that you come here and you name the name of Christ, instantly you're doing something to be building upon Christ. Now the question is, how are you building? How are you building upon this foundation? Because we're all building whether you do so consciously or not. The question is, how you build? And how you build on it, upon the foundation, depends upon the materials that you use. Paul here lists in our verse six types of materials, gold, silver, precious stones, and then wood, hay, straw. And these are not everything that a building is built of, but these are some things that we might build our buildings of. Uh, they were gold, silver, precious stones, were things that were naturally common that would be added to uh, temples, uh, temples and places of worship that the Corinthians would have been very familiar with, considering that their city of Corinth had many temples. And if you were a poor person... Perhaps you would build a house out of wood, hay, or straw. Now, since this is a figurative language of a church as a building, these materials that believers in Christ are to build, uh, are to use to build upon the foundation, are should not be taken literally. That is, you should not actually be bringing gold here and say, "I want to use gold on the doors," or that would be cool, but uh, or silver or, or precious stones, uh, you know, or wood, hay, or straw. These are to be taken figuratively, of course. So, but the question is, what do these materials refer to? And there's uh, many differences of opinions among believers, even Bible-believing believers of what these materials refer to. But I would simply add that in short, they refer to the works which we do for Christ and his church. And it's very clear, and everyone agrees, that these are the works that we do for Christ and his church. The command in verse 10, if you recall, was concerned with how one builds on the foundation of Christ. Verse 13, a little bit later, speaks of the quality of each man's work. Even later on in verse 14 and 15 contrasts the two types of works. Those, things, those works which remain and those works which are burned up. So clearly, materials are speaking of, figuratively of our works, what we do, our good deeds. We will either build with Materials are works that last, or we'll build with materials or works that don't last. Our good works, then, are the gold, silver, and precious stones. As Christians, we know that we are to be about good works. We're not saved by our good works, right? We're not saved. It's not by, we're not like uh, many other religions of this world where it's about doing to be saved, but it's because you're saved that we're doing, we're about doing. We're not saved by good works. We're marked by good works. It's a mark of, that Christ is in us, that we do good works. Because we love him as we've been singing. It's because of our love for him. Because of what he's done for us. He's given his life for us. God's given his son for us. How can we not do good works? 
Ephesians 2.10 tells us very clearly that we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Colossians chapter 1.10 tells us to walk in a manner worthy of our Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. When you build a house, I trust that you want to use higher quality material in your house because higher quality material is material that will last. The same goes with building a church. The materials that last are good works. The materials that do not last are bad works. So what makes our works good? What makes them materials that last? Works that last are works done with an eternal perspective. Works that last are those things which are associated with those with with the things that are eternal. Have you have you ever heard? <laughs> I've said many times there are, there are three things. Where the saying goes, there are three things that are eternal. Three things or three people, three or not three people, three things, three uh, persons, places, things. Number one is God, eternal God. Number two is His Word. His Word is eternal. And number three are the souls of men and women. These three are eternal. And so when we think about works that last or works done with internal perspective, then we need to be building with an eternal perspective. And first of all, our works then, when we build, we must build with, number one, a dependence upon and for the glory of eternal God. We have a perspective of eternal God. We build, we do, <clears throat> when, we, when we do the work or the works that we do, we do it in dependence upon not ourselves, not our strength, not our wisdom, but upon God, upon God's wisdom, God's strength. We want to do it in his strength so when God bears fruit of it, we would say, praise God, because God did it. Not praise God because I was so eloquent. Praise God because I was strong. Praise God because I was persistent. No, praise God because he made a weak man, a, a, a foolish man, his instrument, his vessel, through which the treasure of the gospel might be a blessing to others. Praise God. Do we serve for God's glory or do we serve for our glory? Number one, we build with a dependence upon and for the glory of eternal God. Number two, our good works are works that last because we build in accordance with the eternal word of God. We must do so, we must do ministry, or do we do ministry God's way, or do we do it our way? I know this is a great, strong temptation. As a young believer, I know it was easy just to do things my way because that's all I knew. And, uh, and that's it was a danger of a young believer to do things our, my way. But then as I learned from the scripture, I realized I wanted to do things God's way. And so praise God, it, along the way, many of us get there and we say, we want to do it God's way. But it doesn't, give, put me, and it doesn't guarantee that I'll keep doing that. For as we get older, we learn, we gain earthly wisdom, don't we? And as we grow in, grain in more earthly wisdom, we start realizing, we start forgetting about the desire to do things biblically. And we do things out of practicalness, because it's practical wisdom. And I've caught myself thinking like that at times. And it's a danger for those of us that are older believers as well, to do things just because it's practically wise. When, it may, when we forget and we, and we continue to think, is this biblically called for? From beginning to end, we want to do ministry God's way, according to the scriptures, according to his eternal word, and not because we think it's right. Thirdly, we want to we build with materials that last when we our good works are focused upon the eternal souls of men and women. 
We must build with a focus upon the eternal souls. Because souls will last. No building, no program of the church today is going to exist in eternity. Though we, do, we, we build buildings, we build programs, but we do them for the sake and for the, focus, for the focus upon people. This building exists for reaching people. Our programs exist for people. And when this building no longer serves people, we sell it. When our programs no longer serve people, we end it. Because we want to do, go to a new location, maybe a new building, a new ministry, a new program that would better reach people, souls of men and women. Our focus when all that we do, from whether they're great or small, should be for the purpose of how does it serve to reach the souls of men and women? How does it serve to encourage people to become more like Christ, to know Christ? When we do not build with a dependence upon God or with a motive of the glory of God, when we do not build in accordance with the word of God, when we do not build into the souls of men and women, then our service, no matter how outwardly good, <clears throat> are in reality bad because they're focused on ourselves. They're for man's glory. They are, not, they are according to our ways. <clears throat> they're for temporal accomplishment. We are building when we do so with wood, hay, and straw. And what we build will not remain. See, as we build upon the church, as we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, let's keep in mind what materials we're using. Are we doing good works, works that have an eternal perspective in mind, a big picture, if you will? Outwardly, they all look the same. I could preach here for my own glory, and I could preach here for God's glory. And you may not tell the difference. You can serve in children's ministry according <clears throat> for independence upon your own strength. And you can serve in children's ministry, actually, everybody in children's ministry depends upon God because it's so hard. But you serve in children's ministry, it depends upon God. And it looks the same. One is a good work, one is a bad work. Will we have an eternal focus, eternal perspective as we go about doing God's work? Second thing, second thing that we want to focus as we build upon the foundation of Christ that Paul, we find here in this text is the inspection that is going to happen, the inspection that's going to take place in verse 13. Now, of course, whenever, as uh, you can ask uh, Albert and our building uh, team, that when there's any major building projects, there are many inspections that are involved. And a lot of the waiting that we do is because of inspections that we have. There's inspections to make sure that the work is done correctly. And we shouldn't complain about inspections because they will save our lives. They're designed to save our lives. Inspections involve to ensure that work, the work of God, the work of the church is done correctly as well. Verse 13 here we, informs us that there will one day be an inspection of our work in building upon the foundation of Christ. This is a continuation of the conditional statement in verse 12. So if... Any man or each person builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. Verse 13, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Here we find the main point of this section. These verses 12 to 15. The sta this statement that each man's work will become evident. We've already stated that everyone is building. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a part of a body of Christ. You're building upon the foundation in some way or other. God, through Paul, is telling us that each person's work will eventually be revealed. What you are doing will be made manifest. It will become visible. 
to all very plainly. How we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ will be revealed. Now, we may not see into each other's motives when we serve, but God sees. And one day, our motives will, will be revealed. We cannot tell if someone is depending upon God in their service or not, but God does. And one day, it will be revealed. Outwardly, one believer's works may look just like another believer's works, but whether they are good works or bad works, it will be made manifest one day, according to this passage. A person may be intentionally using the ministry for his own gains or ignorantly teaching the church, contrary to God's word even, but one day it will be revealed. That day, that one day, is spoken of here as a day of judgment. We know that this will be a day of judgment because of this mention of the word fire here. Twice we see the word fire. That it will be revealed with fire. That is, the day will be revealed with fire. And that fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. You remember back to Genesis from the early days of Abraham. When fire and brimstone fell upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, from that point on, judgment in the scriptures has always been associated with fire. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, speaks of the Lord Jesus returning from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. 2 Peter 3, 7 says, By his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction among godly men. So the mention of fire here, even though there's no mention of the word, specific word of judgment, the mention of the day, the mention of fire, tells us this is speaking of a day of judgment. And on this particular day of judgment, Paul writes that the fire itself will test. It will test, it will prove, it will burn, and so show, reveal the quality of each man's work. You and I are going to be judged for the quality of our works. Now, if you're listening to that statement, that you and I are going to be judged for the quality of our works, you may be wondering, how does this fit with the message of the gospel, right? How does this fit with judgment? Because I thought if I believed in Jesus Christ, then I would be saved from my sins and not have to face judgment anymore. Doesn't Romans 8.1 even say, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. Was not the punishment for our sins laid upon him in the cross? Are we not saved by grace and not by works? And the scripture overwhelmingly says, yes, it is true. But what is this judgment then that Paul is talking about? See, this is not a judgment with regards to sin. It's not a judgment that it deals with or has consequences of your eternal destiny. Your eternal destiny, your sin has been taken care of once and for all upon the cross. If you have believed upon Jesus, you, our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And you are guaranteed when you stand, at the, when you stand before Jesus because of the blood of Christ, because of his perfect righteousness, you will have entrance into his presence forever. But this is a judgment. Here Paul is speaking of something called a judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. It is a judgment with regard to our works. And, but it's not a, <clears throat> and instead of a judgment that has to do with our eternal destiny, it has to do with our rewards in heaven. It will be a day of judgment. <clears throat> with regard to the works that we do. Interestingly, 
everyone will be judged by their works, believers and unbelievers. But unbelievers will be judged for their works and will see their works will be evil. They will show their sin before God, their sinfulness, and they will be sent into eternity in hell. But believers, when they're judged, are not judged with regard to their works because the Jesus Christ's death covers all our sins. But yet, there is an evaluation, a judgment still of our works. And Christ will evaluate our works for what they are, and he will reward us accordingly, according to the scriptures. This, and this will take place when he takes us up to be with him <clears throat> at, the time when, at the time of the rapture, when he calls up his church to be with him. And those who are deceased in Christ will, be, will also raise up in, with glorified bodies and will be with him in heaven. At that point will be the judgment seat of Christ. The key passage for this is found in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, which we read in our, uh, <clears throat> in our call to worship this morning. And there Paul writes, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, all of us will stand before Christ one day, and we will answer for what we've done. We'll speak, he will evaluate all our works, and he will reward us accordingly, as we'll see in the, in the next few verses, or we will find loss. Knowing then that there will be a future inspection of all our works, let, let, <clears throat> may we, out of love for Christ, a desire to please him, let us be seeking to do good works that build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I ask, it's, and <clears throat> here's just encouragement to you, what works are you doing for the Lord? Because before we get to heaven, you can change right now. Are, are, you, doing, are you about doing good works? Now, good works are not measured by how often, how much, how big. Good works can be caring for an infant in our nursery so that their, her, his or her parents can worship the Lord. Good works can be standing at the front door, welcoming, greeting someone, smiling at them, out of showing them the love of Christ so that they would know, come to know Christ. Good works can be planning on a Sunday afternoon for your fellowship meetings for the next quarter so that the saints in the church can be edified in Christ. Good works can be quite simple, quite small, quite hidden, even invisible, serving as a, someone just pushing a button, forwarding the slide to the next slide so that others may worship the Lord. The real question is, do you do them in dependence upon the Lord? Do you do your work, good works for God's glory? Do you do them in accordance with his word? Are you doing them with a focus on the salvation and sanctification of the souls of men and women? For in such ways, your works are good works. And we need to be evaluating our works now because when we stand before Christ, it will be too late. There will be no more opportunities to change. And this leads us quite fittingly to our third thing to keep in mind as we build upon the church, and that's the reward, the results of the evaluation, the inspection of Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. And then as we find here, the third thing to keep in mind is the reward, verse 14 to 15. And in these two verses, we see two kinds of builders whose work is figuratively put through the judgment seat of Christ, or the judgment fire of Christ. And depending upon the quality of their work, 
what is revealed about the works leads to two kinds of corresponding results. First of all, we look at the work of the skilled builder. Like Paul, who is the wise master builder, we who build upon the foundation of Christ ought to be wise builders as well. We need to be wise and skilled builders. First of all, the work of the skilled builder in verse 14. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. The skilled builder receives a reward. When the work of the skilled builder is put through the fire of the Christ's judgment, his work, though it's burned, it will be purified in a sense. And it's kind of just like fire put, when gold, silver, and precious stones are put through fire, it burns off anything that is, uh, that is impure. And it shows that it's genuine, just as genuine gold comes through. And it remains to be gold. And so the works, our works, are going to be kind of put through a fire. And if it remains, it's shown to be true. It's a genuine work. It's a good work. And Paul says here, as a result, when, we, when Christ inspects it and we find it to be genuine and it remains, then we will receive a reward. We'll just be rewarded by Christ. Now what this reward is, is not specified. But it most likely involves praise. Praise from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul tells the Corinthians to wait upon the Lord who com- until the Lord comes, who will bring forth to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of man's heart. See, that's even indication of God's, that when Christ comes, he's going to evaluate our motives. He'll show the things that are done in darkness even. And then, he, Paul continues, each man's praise will come to him from God. God's going to, when Jesus Christ comes, God's going to evaluate our works and he will give praise to those whose motives are right, those who do not de- do evil deeds in darkness, those who serve him with good works for his glory and dependence upon him in accordance with his word, with a focus upon the souls of men and women. This day is coming, and, and, that will, and he will reward us, and he will say on that day of judgment, enter into my rest because well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. You know, in the church of Jesus Christ, a lot of times I've heard, I never hear people say, you know, I'm out, I wish I would get paid. I don't want to hear people come to me and I'll say, I'm out, I, I've been doing ushering. I wish I would get paid for this. I've been doing a couple hours every Sunday. I wish I'd get paid. I don't hear, never hear nursery workers come in. Yeah, you know, I've been safe. For, I, man, I had, you know, two babies crying in my ears this Sunday. I, I wish I got paid for that. No one ever says to me as a pastor, I wish I got paid. You know what I often hear? You don't tell me directly because I hear it indirectly. And I want to express my appreciation for all of you that do. I just wish I would get appreciated. I wish I would just be acknowledged sometimes that what I do matters for the church of Jesus Christ. And I don't get to do that enough. In fact, I don't do it enough at all. But I look around this room. I see so many of you serving in the body of Christ. I've seen how you have sacrificed. And I want to tell you, that your work matters. And I appreciate how each of you have served, great and small. Your sacrifices, though oftentimes hidden, not seen by me, most times unrecognized, will, are, are seen by God. They're appreciated by our elders. They're appreciated by the body, those whom you serve. But most importantly, God sees. And one day, you will be rewarded for your good works. They are seen.
we see, secondly, the work of the unskilled builder, the one who is the unwise builder, who does not build with gold, silver, precious stones, but builds with wood, hay, straw. In verse 15, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. The unskilled builder builds with things that do not last, and so when put through the fire, they are burned up. He builds with wrong motives. He builds in whatever way he wishes. He builds with his own thoughts or a human philosophy. Such works are, do not remain because they are burned up by the fire of God's Christ judgment. You know, it would be a shameful thing when, when, we, when a man comes before the Lord, you know, thinking that they've got all these works, you know, oh, I'm going to get a lot of rewards. And they come into the Lord and they get evaluated by Christ. And then shamefully, they are all burned up. At the judgment seat of Christ. In an instant, he realized that what he thought was gain was in reality a loss. He is immediately, instantly humbled before the Lord. And although his works are burnt up, and there is no reward for his works because they were done with wrong motives, Paul tells us still that he will not lose that which Christ has already provided for him. See, he will suffer loss. He will lose the opportunity for a war. All his good works, though done, and, and God will use even those, those works, even though they're bad works, because God uses any, everything for his glory. But he, this, the person who presents these, poor, these bad works will still be saved, it says. Yet, so as through fire. He will still be saved from God's wrath, even though at that moment of the judgment seat of Christ, he will lose every opportunity for reward, every opportunity for praise. Now, when we hear this passage, some clever person often thinks, or usually it's usually an immature believer, will think along this line. Well, if I'm going to be saved, that's what the scripture says. Even though all my works can burned up, even though there would hate stable, well, then I really don't have to really examine my life now. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because ah, it'll get burned up, but yet I'll still be saved. I'll still have my ticket to heaven. That's what the promise is. And so I'm going to be, I don't have to be so careful. I can be careless upon building the foundation. But that phrase, yet so is through fire, is a warning. It is still a judgment, you see. It is still a judgment. How many of you would like to go and leave here right now and just get involved in a very severe auto accident where your car just flips over, your car is completely totaled? How many of you would like that? But, of course, you'll just walk away from it. How many of us want that to happen to us today? I don't think anybody wants that to happen. You back a promise that you're gonna, you'll walk away from it alive. How many of us would want our, when we go home, we're in the bed tonight, and our, our house just burns up? Oh, but I can promise you, you'll, your house is going to burn down, and you'll lose everything, and you'll still just escape alive. I don't think any of us want that. How then would we want to present before the Lord all these works that we may do carelessly, have them all burned up, but yet we'll just escape. We'll still have eternal life. And that's what the judgment seat of Christ will be like. But don't make no mistake that you will be in heaven with you. If you have genuinely placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've turned from sin and turned in faith in him, you will be saved. No, no, no doubt about it. But let's not be foolish. Let's not be immature. Let's not want to test test Christ and test God by just being careless about how we build so just so that we can escape just through fire, just barely with our lives. Let's avoid that kind of immature thinking. Let's be careful to build upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones. 
good works that stand the test of Christ's judgment, that we might know the reward and pleasure of Christ. Because ultimately, it's not the reward, it's the pleasure of Christ. We want to know Christ is pleased with us. We want to know that Christ is happy, enjoys what we do. And so let us be involved in these good works. We conclude with a passage from Revelation 22, verse 12. The last chapter in Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. Christ will one day examine every one of our works, your works and mine. And some of our works will be found to be wood, hay, and straw. But I trust and I hope and pray that more, the majority of our works, will be gold, silver, precious stones. So when Christ comes, that he will find, and when he, burn, or that when, he, and when he inspects our works, that we will discover that they are things which last, because they were done not in our own strength, but we did them in Christ's strength. They were done not for our glory, but they were done for God's glory. They were done not according to our ways, because they were done according to God's ways. They were not done for temporal things, temporal pleasures, temporal boastings, but they're done because of the eternal souls of men and women, not only seated among here, but that are all out there around the world. And that God would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's be careful to do these good works now, because one day it will be too late. Let's do this. Let's build this together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word again. Thank you for the encouragement that we are motivated, you're motivated to build carefully upon the foundation of Christ. Oh, Lord, show us areas of our life, what we're doing. Help us to examine what we're doing for you. Lord, we may be doing things even outwardly they are correct, but perhaps inwardly they're done with a, with a focus that is off of you, that's not with an eternal perspective, with an, perhaps an earthly perspective. Lord, help us to have an eternal perspective in all that we do, that our works might be good works, that our works would be might be works that last, so that we would build upon the foundation of Christ in a way that pleases you, so that when you come, you would, that, that you would find us about doing about that which you called us to do, that which you created for us in Christ Jesus, that you would be pleased with us, and that you would reward us with those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you so much for all the various members of this body. And Lord, I pray that you would do work in each of our hearts, that each of us would be careful to consider how we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, that your church would continue to be built up. For we know that, Lord, we all do different tasks, but ultimately it is you who build through us so that you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you. Head on to Sunday school class. Uh, please exit out my, my right here to your left down the stairs to our second floor. And we're going to have our Sunday school in that second floor. You're dismissed. God bless you.